So police are cleaning up the movie. What the hell, man? What? What about the introduction, man? What introduction? When have we ever started, we just jump right into the movie five seconds in, man. They don't even know who we are. They don't know what they're listening to. They don't even know what movie we're reviewing. Okay, you're right. Everybody, my name is Nick Arcana. <laughs> so we're right at part four, which famously was titled... The Final Chapter. Little did we know. That, spoiler, it would not be the final chapter. Yeah, spoiler alert. We still got like... Six more movies after this. It's not even the halfway point of the series. They call <laughs> no, it the, the final next chapter. movie is the halfway point of the series. I don't even think that is. If you count Freddy vs. Jason, you got to get to number, what, six to get... Yeah. There's 12, technically, I guess, movies. Yeah, so technically part six. And... We've already done three of them. So, uh, just to get some quick background here. So, part three, which we reviewed uh, previously last week, and let's just say that we were kind of mixed on that movie. We didn't love it. We didn't hate it. But... Folks in 1982 actually did like it enough to make it a pretty big box office hit for Friday the 13th, at least, and made a lot of money. So technically two years later, we have the final chapter from 1984, picking up exactly where part three left off. Now, there's a couple things to note about this movie, a couple uh, prominent things, Nick. One thing, the return of Tom Savani. Savani or Savani? Am I saying it wrong? I've been, I've been saying Savini. I, I think you're right, Savini. I think that's right. I apologize, Mr. Savini. Probably the best makeup person in all the old school horror movies. Hell, even in new school horror movies, anything he does. A good he, actor, too. That And um, if I also remember correct, I don't know. Does he still do special effects, or does he just own the company that does them now? I'd assume he owns the company. He's probably... He's he old enough to actually do her. He's not doing the dirty work himself anymore. I don't. I'm sure he still does some when he wants to. When he, because there's something telling me that this guy does not. He gets bored easily if he's not having fun creating death scenes. It's a long shot, but if they do another another Friday Thirteenth movie, I would somehow get him involved. You know what? The Night Hike Alone series should do one big massive blood fest because you know that's Jason. It's a blood fest, and have Savini come in and do the effects for it. Make it very meta. Call it, never watch this movie while hiking alone or in any other circumstance. Oh, come on. Never, <laughs> never hike alone was a decent fight scene, because that's all it was. <laughs> I, I like it. I just think it's overrated based on people, like, the comments around it basically you are like, hey... This is an unofficial sequel. I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, to be also to be it, fair, it's not a part of the series. Before Never Hike Alone, how long has it been since we got a Jason movie or Jason anything? That's fair. So I can see the overhypeness because it is pretty decent. It has a actually a really decent fight scene for an unknown actor and whoever plays Jason. You know, even the only downside is we didn't get both the two kills were off screen. Yeah, you said it, though. The fans demand the hunger for anything Jason is growing by the year. Mm. And the more time goes by, it's like any snippet, like if we make a movie where it's just me chasing around the backyard or chasing around a backyard with a Jason mask on and a fake machete, I think that might get a thousand views because the demand is so big right now. For one, I would have to be Jason. You're too skinny. And then have a small little fight scene in there. I don't know. I just like fight scenes. All right, the fight scene is he stabs you and you die. How about that? <laughs> it's, a quick, a, it's a quick 10-second scene. It's not a fight scene. We're going to film it exactly So like we're that. using zombie Jason? We're not using a live Jason? I would use zombie Jason. No, I'd rather use a live Jason because then you could put a fight scene in it. Well, that's true. So we're going to do it exactly like um, the Predator 2 scene with uh, King What's-His-Face. Yeah. So we're going to have you like built up as this badass, right? Yeah. And then you see Jason walking up and you pull out your sword. And we just cut to him walking away with your head. In his Fuck. Head. I mean, I, I wouldn't even pull out a sword. I'd be pulling out a spear. You pull out the biggest spear possible, right? <laughs> Jason, he pulls out a pocket knife. <laughs> and then we cut to your head being in the sand. <laughs> hey, and then people can put two together and be like, Fuck, that's brutal. Because <laughs> he pulled out a pocket knife and did that. <laughs> How the hell did you do that? Um, the other guy had a spear. Well, plot twist, Jason knows martial arts. I'm seeing 10,000 views. This sounds, <laughs> this sounds hilariously amazing, and I'm going to get to work writing the script for this. All right, well, while you're writing the script, how about we also get to this movie? The director, Joseph Zito, he did a movie might be worth visiting called The Prowler. I just want to shout him out because, um, as we'll see, he has a very interesting directing style, and I think he does, as a filmmaker, I think his, his, his movie-making ability actually 
elevates the film a little bit. It's one of the better, well-done films in terms of how it's shot in the series, at least so far, especially compared to part three, which is kind of, oh, maybe it was the 3D that makes, oh. But. Well, I'm sorry. A lot of things is better than part three's directing style. This is true. Probably because of the 3D. I think the 3D probably. 3D killed it. The 3D, it had, I guess it they it killed it. 3D put it to death. Yeah. And because kill, because uh, they literally focused so much on the 3D in that movie that they excluded all the important shit. And everything else. So hopefully this movie, seeing as how it's not in the 3D, decided to bring back its roots and be a good Jason. Do you have a cast list by any Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah. Yes and no. I'm going to go off of a few of these characters. So our main ones is Trish, Tommy, Mom. Her name is Mom. Of course. Uh, Ted, Jimmy, Doug, Sam, Paul, and Sarah. So that's our that's our main cast. Obviously, I left out any side people that end up dying. Did you name Rob? Oh, yeah, Rob, too. Sorry. <laughs> One of the main characters, buddy. Um, no, that's because we don't see him until later. Ugh. I have it written down as how we meet them. The best ways to get info dumps, I feel, are the montages, the recaps. Yeah, you know. And this one has a recap. Yeah, just like all other movies. And then after the recap, because I didn't even put that on my list. I, um, let me just say, I didn't mind this recap as much, though. That's because it wasn't as long as the others. This and, one, and it def- really summed up the first couple of movies yeah, pretty well. This, one def- this recap definitely felt more like Organic, uh, they weren't expecting you to actually kind of see the third movie. Because I guarantee you a lot of people saw it first day and then told their friends, hey, don't go see it. It's a piece of shit. Um, but they could have just played the first. They, they could have done the, what they always do and just had the last 10 minutes of part three be the first 10 minutes of this movie. Well, luckily they didn't because I didn't feel like watching Ali die in such a stupid ass way again. Just run out the barn, Ali. Run out the barn. Don't, don't try to help her out. Just run. So after the recap, the police are now cleaning up the previous movie, including taking Jason to the hospital. Well, here's the thing now. Murray, me, Axel. Wait, wait. Now, this is pretty interesting to me. Just the idea of, like, police being there and Jason's body being put into ambulance. This is all new stuff for this series. So, already this is more interesting than anything in part three. Well, Axel's kind of a creep, isn't he? Yes, he is. Because he was perving on a dead girl. This is no Axel Foley. No. He was perving on a dead girl. There's a scene in the hospital. Um, they walk by a room... And there's a girl on the thing, like, with her parents. Mm-hmm. And it only shows the girl from the back. From the back, it looks like maybe that's supposed to be Chris from part three. Because I think it's implied that it's somebody involved. In the previous. But, huh? like, what other girl was alive that that could be? Because, you know, Ginny's long. Fox actually lived. I think that might be Fox. Yeah, yep, it's probably Fox. Leave it to Nick. It's, we're, we're ten minutes in. It was time for them theories. Yeah, Fox. Uh, she didn't actually die, even though she had a pitchfork. Even though she had a pitchfork in her throat, she didn't die. She's there now, hugging her. Actually, probably hugging Loco's parents, or maybe for all we know, Ali was adopted and she's hugging Ali's parents. She probably doesn't have any parents, but she's dead. What do you? What? what if we found out the bikers were all like nineteen years old? Like they look at these like older badasses, but then they're like they were just kids. Like, oh, what? Ali was nineteen. Yeah, Ali was 19. Damn. The, the, the white guy was probably at least 45. No, the white guy probably kidnapped both uh, Ali and Fox and was doing unspeakable mentions to him. And then Ali, because Ali's stronger than Loco when he grew up, said, you listen to me or I kill you. And, yeah. that's, how it, and that's why Ali was also the more likable one because he stopped a predator from going, being able to get more kids. Does uh, Axel and the girl... Mess around a little bit. Does that actually wake up Jason? Does he sense the possibility of sex and it somehow brings brings him back to life? Because they toy with that later in the series in Jason X a little bit. But is that what happened here? Yes. Because he just he woke up at the right exact moment that that stuff was happening. So it seemed like. And, and he let his hand drop so he could touch some Morgan legs. And maybe he sensed that if he didn't wake up at that moment, he was about to probably get autopsied. Yeah. That too. That wouldn't have been good for him. No, nope, probably not. Because what will happen is Axel, as we know from later sequels, Axel would have ate his heart and became Jason. Yeah. And then a lot of body hopping would have happened, and then Rob would have became Jason. Yeah, so in instead... A, in, a, in a bitter twist. But instead, Axel dies. What a death scene. So 
<laughs> one thing I'm gonna say, and again, this is maybe credit to Savini, but this is probably one of the more brutal death scenes in the whole series. There's like a bunch of scenes that are like in this movie that are like this, but first of all, he's, he, he gets his throat with, with a, a hacksaw, with, and then he's like, twist oh, it just to make sure. What Which, the hell? Apparently, the twisting part was actually supposed to be a lot more graphic with Jason actually twisting and then pulling off his head with the spine still kind of dangling like the Predator. Yeah. But that was next because X rating. Like, okay, it's the final chapter, so you have to raise the stakes. And th this first death already tells me, this is already, I'm already seeing the best death of the series so far in this first death. Mm -hmm. And then what happens to the nurse? Yeah. It's not some generic, hey, I'm going to push her against the wall and stab her. He, he eviscerates her. What the hell, man? Jason's pissed off. Well, he just had an axe in his head. They just try to help him by bringing him to the hospital for medical care. and They were going to cut him open. Either way, so after all that, Trish, Tommy, and Mom. That's all we need to know about them. Let's get they're, to the teenagers. They're living a fun life in the woods. Little do they know, their whole world's about to be rocked. Yep, so let's get to the teenagers. So obviously the teenagers, I just named them. Ted, Jimmy, Doug, Sam, Paul, Sarah. Uh, Ted and Jimmy are definitely friends. Jimbo. And at the moment, Jimmy's going through a rough breakup. Ted's pretty much pissing him off by keep jabbing at him with that and eventually calls him a dead fuck. And random references of a computer in 1984. A computer let, that... Let me put that in the computer. A computer that oddly looks like a book. This is true. Is it revealed whose cabin this is they're going to? Apparently, they the whole crew rented it out. So because usually they all it's put, someone's relative's thing or something. So all like. they said was a group of kids rented it out. So I'm assuming they all are obviously they all look like college kids. So I'm assuming they all put their money together to rent it out together. In Crystal Lake. Yes. So why does Jimmy and Ted not have a date? Not even that. I'm just. I'm always curious about at the beginning of each movie. I'm always curious about. You know, how much is known about Crystal Lake in terms of, like, if you're from that area, you have to be kind of weirded out by Crystal Lake. Like, well, do you want—is it, is it always people coming from different towns, I guess, yes. who are unaware of the, the crazy history of the place? Well, yes, and that's mainly because there's no way to know the history of the place when all this stuff is only happening two days prior to them showing up. They, do you really think this group of kids watches the news? Well, the events of Part 1 are now known. Well, part one is known, yes. Just not the events of part two, three, and yeah. Exactly. But those events will be known because, right. well, we should talk about this right now. There's one thing that I don't think gets talked about enough, but I think when we watched the last, we were texting about this, and this is a key thing, because I didn't really thought about this. I just assumed the movie's lazy because we cut from the death scene to the hospital to daytime. So in my brain, I'm like, hey, this is probably the next day. But the question is, is there a time jump here between hospital and when these kids are coming to the cabin? If there's a time jump, it solves a lot of the story issues that this movie has yes. from a time standpoint. Well, and there, however, that just means that these kids either, again, don't watch the news or they're stupid. So maybe a time jump, but a very small one. Yeah, like I'm thinking maybe a week because Jason clearly is coming back from the hospital to Crystal Lake now. Um, a week is enough time to be aware, but the problem is, if we give it too much time exactly, if people know about the events, nobody's going to be allowed to come there. So it's kind of weird. And also, I'm just like, all right, we know that the police came and cleaned up the bodies from part three. It's like, how far is Higgins Haven from where everything else is? Because shouldn't the whole area be kind of on alert? I mean, I guess they're thinking Jason's dead, but... I don't know. Well, I mean, granted, there's also a throwaway line that does state that even Trish knows that the body disappeared from the morgue and the two people were killed. Well, I guess that no, no, no. the Trish, two people were killed. No, no, not. but tr actually Trish just thinks he's dead. And then Rob says he's been missing from the morgue. Yeah. Rob's the one that does that says the body's missing from the hospital, which granted, if well, a serial how, killer body is missing from the hospital, you'd think that they well, would be on higher alert. Well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, Rob doesn't have any inside information. He must have learned that from watching TV, so she should know the same things, right? So it's like, if, it's no, if, he, if he knows that Jason's out there, escaped, then yeah, everybody in the area should be like on 
holy shit, there's a serial killer and there. And plus, you would think the cops would also be like that. But I don't even, we don't even see cops in this movie except the very beginning. So that's why Rob's whole character doesn't make sense in this time context. And everybody, nobody's on high alert. These kids are coming. Trish, they're just having fun. I'm just like, how far is this from Higgins Haven where all this shit went down? But or, it's got to be the same area. Or what I think it is, is Rob is actually a cop and we just never get given that kind of information. Because then it would make some sense that why he has this information and no one else does. It's possible. We never know what we never find out anything about him in terms of his job or anything. So yeah. So if but as a, but as a cop, wouldn't he be just like there as like doing an investigation, not doing a weird lumberjack in the woods? Unless character? he has to be off duty because if since it's his sister that went missing, his sister is the one that has been killed by this thing. Then technically he wouldn't be allowed into this area because it would be a conflict of interest. His character doesn't feel like a cop, but he does have a lot of information. Right. And if we're saying it's not really a time jump, then... That's he, the only thing that would make sense. But doesn't he have, like, sketches that were, like, in the newspaper of Jason? So, again, that... Who did these sketches? Jenny? The, 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 the police person. Yeah, Jenny probably gave him the, uh, informa- the, you know, the sketch to the sketch artist, so that way they can then look for him. So, like, but that has to be basically, like, yesterday's paper. This all is in the one-week period, then. I doubt they would have put that in paper, because a sketch of Jason could have just been given straight to the police, and the police been told, keep this quiet, but don't let anyone near this area. Because the sketch is not with his mask on, right? Right. So it's, it had to be Jenny or Chris, somebody who saw him without the mask, mm-hmm. giving that. And I'm assuming probably Jenny from the details of the sketch. Yeah, a sketch can be done in one day, but if this really is the next day after... Well, the reason is Jenny is because... Jenny has at least one full day and Chris, And Chris probably literally did go insane. Yeah. She's probably getting treatment somewhere at this point in the movie, so... Yeah. Okay, so we'll get back to Rob later. Let's get back to this hitchhiker on the side of the road. Yeah, so... No, he wants the banana from her. <laughs> so he's thinking, if I kill her, I can maybe save the half of the banana and make myself a banana milkshake. So She's just minding her own and, business. And, and they're like, oink, oink. My God. They're yeah. like, she just wants to enjoy her banana. And like, again, this death feels more brutal than anything in the first three movies. Jason is pissed off, man. He's really angry here. Well, wouldn't you with a damn axe in your head? My thing is, hey, the last time I saw this piss was when he went and killed Alice at the beginning of part two. He should be, he's probably trying to find Chris. How about we meet the Doublement twins, Tina and Terry? Well, listen, when you need a bigger body count, you can always just throw a pair of twins in the movie. So, I mean, look, I don't want to say that these are just... Skitty dip! I don't want to judge these two characters, but, I mean, they just meet them. They just meet the guys, and they're immediately skitty dipping with them? Yes. Two minutes later? Yes. Man, the 80s was a whole different time period. I know, right? So, Trish and Tommy... They run into the skinny dippers. And um, Tommy wants, and Tommy's definitely going through puberty because he sees naked girls and goes, ooh la la. T- uh, Tommy, uh, played by Corey Feldman, who we know is a pretty famous child actor from the 80s. And um, man, he just feels like an actual kid. Like He feels like a real, real kid and yes. not like a movie kid. His, uh, his love affair with like costumes. Oh yeah. And um, and apparently knows cars. And his ability to try to know cars, and he's telling Rob like, "Hey, what do you? That's not right." And then, speaking uh, of Rob. Yeah, speaking of Rob, let's meet him. Hi, Rob. Hey, that's undercover agent Jensen to you. Um, that's not Jensen Ackles. No, I'm assuming his last name is Jensen though. Rob Jensen. I tell you more, but it's G14 classified. Oh. Hmm. That means don't ask questions. And go pick up Jackie Chan from the airport. Yeah, here's Rob, man. You know what? Rob is quite the, the, the seer of all truths, the knower of all things, because he's here in the woods to avenge the death of his sister, who is Sandra from part two. Yep, so she's only been dead for three days. If there's no time jump. Yeah, if there's no time jump, she's only been dead three days. At most, maybe a week. Yeah. So uh, in- instead of being at home, putting together funeral arrangements and consoling his parents... He's decided that what will really help his parents is if they have one less child. What I do, what I want to know. Why, Rob? Why? What I want to know is um, when Rob starts asking questions about kids, he has a big-ass gun. Last thing I'm going to do is give him a ride. Because um, I'm sorry, you're sitting there asking me about kids. You got a big-ass gun. 
I don't know you. You say you're hunting bear, but there's no bear this time of fucking year. I imagine it seems like Trish and Tommy. They're too trusting. From their reaction, I feel like they pretty much live in isolation. So there's an appeal to like, you know, it's like how Tommy immediately makes Rob his best friend, brings him into his room. He's like, I got to show you this or that. It feels like they don't really have friends there. So that makes them more welcoming to random strangers than they should be, even though he did help them with their car. So I guess hospitality is letting them come in for cookies and milk. No, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the minute you start asking about kids with a gun, uh, uh, hold on. I'm going the wrong way. The, the police station's this fucking way. <laughs> he does. If I was just living there, based on the stuff he says, he does come off as suspicious. Yeah. I, no, no. Stop asking about kids, Rob. It's weird. So how about we get to hey, some... Hey, why, why is he secretive? Why doesn't he just up front like, tell them, hey, have you guys heard about the murder on the loose? Are you being cautious? Why is Rob treating this like a big secret? Only he deserves to know how many lives could have been saved if Rob was like, hey, tell us kids next door. Be careful. Hey, Trish, you be careful. Be- Why? Because he's a cop and he's not allowed to give away his position. Plus, to be technical, since no one, ha- if this does take place within the time frame of a week, the only thing he has to go on is the body's missing. So he's probably hoping that the killer actually isn't there. The killer is just been transported somewhere he does not have the information to. Did he... One thing I got to remember, or did they, they found Sandra's body, though. He knows she's dead. Yeah. Right? Okay, so there's no mystery there. No. It's not like the remake where he starts trying to find his sister. No. Even though the remake definitely took that storyline from this movie. Right. Um, the only difference is uh, Jared Padalecki survived that to an extent. We don't know exactly know what happened at the end because the movie never got a sequel. I think well, he's dead. I don't know why the movie never got a sequel. Because, probably because yeah. Jared Padalecki wouldn't come back. I think him, Muffins, and Paul in a boat somewhere, they're all dead, mm-hmm. all right? But listen, oh, they're actually probably in Jason's shack. Yeah, so. but they killed Danielle Panabaker. How fucking dare they? I, I was shocked by that. How dare they kill the redhead? Just yeah. to keep the sister alive? No, kill the sister. No one gives a shit about her. Oh, Jason would have never taken her out. Taken Everyone place. liked Danielle Panabaker because that's who we were following. That's who we liked. And then all of a sudden, you kill her? They said, no, damn it. The sister's going to be the main character. You're going to like it or leave it. I don't want the sister. I want Danielle Panabaker, probably because she's a redhead. Um, anyway... These scenes, the party they're having, it does little by little get, let you get to know the characters more and more. And they, you do see, you build the characters up a little bit, I, I would say. So, I do got a question for you. It's nothing against the movie. It's more against the writing. Um, so, Jim tells Ted, why are you complaining you got the hot one? Uh, guys, they're identical twins. <laughs> It's, you, it's hard to tell them apart. Yes, you got one that looks a little bit more permicu- promiscuous than the other. Permicuous. <laughs> uh, Do you think maybe that the writer on paper, uh, imagine that is like said like in a joking way, but then the actors played it straight and delivered it seriously, and, that, and the writer was like, motherfuckers, that was supposed to be a joke. You're supposed to like... <laughs> I feel like because if, if, if he said it with a funny thing, then because I thought that, okay, that's a funny line, right? But he says it like seriously, so it's like so, yeah, because then it could have been seen as more banter between two friends. It's like, what are you complaining about? You got the hot one with a laugh, right? Then it all makes sense. But right. he's like, but he's like, what are you complaining about? You got the hot. He says it's serious. You're like, you just said something serious that makes no sense at all, right? So because then it could have added a little bit more to their friendship as banter. Yeah, and everything everything they do is banter, so it actually makes sense. That's why I'm like, maybe the writer to really wrote it that way, but then the actors interpreted it as being serious, or they did film it in multiple different takes because that's what they usually do. One was more for the comedic effect, one was more serious, and the editor just like, eh, I like the serious one better. Yeah, I mean, it's a curious line for sure. Uh, so how about we get to Sam's death scene? Sam, who's had a reputation since she was in the eighth grade, apparently. Yep, and she went skinny dipping, finds a random raft in the middle of the water. Is this Jason's first death, like, in the water? Yes. Very interesting. So this movie is a perfect example of why when people watch Freddy vs. Jason and then suddenly Jason was afraid of water, they were like, wait a minute, I see this dude happily going in the water to kill his victims. That makes no sense. And hell, if there's even a death before that I can't think of, I'm pretty sure this is his first death in the water. 
that I can think of. So we clearly see Jason in water multiple times throughout the series. We do. And this is the first time. Now, remind me, Sam, I believe, was trying to make her boyfriend jealous by going and skinny dipping, thinking that he would come and follow her, which he actually does. But little does she know she's actually leading him to his death. To his death because he sees her there and he's like, hey, let me come out and join you. Well, so, which, I, uh, I got one thing, but go ahead. One thing I don't understand is this ain't towards the movie. This is more towards women in general because a lot of women do that. They Instead of telling the men, because I'm sorry, us men, we're simple. You, If you want to... If there's something wrong, y'all have to tell us. Otherwise, we don't know shit. I'm going to go skinny dipping. It's like, <clears throat> and then expect your boyfriend to follow him. It's like, uh, you clearly see with you right there, he is obviously into this girl. What makes you think that he's going to follow you when he's still in the, he's still going to be into the girl after you leave? I don't know how serious the relationship is, but the fact that he's even talking to another girl in front of her is weird and she should immediately break up with him, pretty much. But instead, she does this whole thing to make him jealous, which, again, whatever. But my problem with the guy is, if you see someone in the water, and you call their name, and they don't respond... The prob- she's probably asleep. No, that's a big red flag. Not if you call her name multiple times. Oh, I mean, yeah, we, I guess did- we didn't explain what happened to Sam, because this is probably the least brutal death in the movie, and it's literally just another copycat of Kevin Bacon's kill. Yeah, every movie has that. Every damn sequel in this movie has some variation of the Kevin Bacon impaled death. I know. I understand that the that that scene is iconic for that movie, but you do not have to keep repeating it over and over. It's not going to make it iconic a second time. I'm sorry. This is probably the dullest death in the movie. I think what's brutal about this death, though, is that in her position, she's laying in the thing, right? Naked. She's at, yeah, she's in such a place of like uh, peacefulness, pretty much, that... That's such a, like, a, a sudden, oh. Make, Ted makes a joke. What was it? Uh, kissing, t- kissing teddy bear. He does a teddy bear joke not only to the hot twin, but also the, the hot twin. <laughs> yes. So. I still don't know which one's the hot one, apparently, so. Well, the one, I guess, technically, the one he tells the, the teddy bear, give a kiss to teddy bear joke to, what, the second time was the, I guess, the more prudish one. Ah, okay. Because I think the hot one already went up with Jimbo to have sex with him. But the prudish one went skinny dipping too. So that's, well, yeah, that's, that's why it doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, but then again, she probably does actually want Jim, but doesn't want Ted. Both girls apparently do not want Ted. <laughs> Poor Ted. But, but uh, the the karma the karma of dissing his friend so much is coming back to get him. But so he, Ted makes that same joke, and the girl laughs. The girl laughs, kind of looks away, looks like she's blushing a little, and then he gets angry. Ted, you got her to laugh. Why so angry? I think he can sense so that shit's not going as good as he as he was. Yeah, but if he continues to be confident, continues to make her laugh, and they do like the way he looks. He's a funny guy, too. Yeah, so at the same time, he does still have the shot. Yeah. It's just, I guess he's just... Well, no, it wouldn't. It can't be that he's high because I hear a lot of people are extremely happy when they're high. I think he's high the whole movie, though. Yeah, which makes no sense on why he's so angry. I think the actor's high too. <laughs> um, now Paul's death. You know, this one I'm not gonna say brutal. I'm gonna say painful. As a man, painful. Very painful. And to do a, sure. I would rather quick death than what happens to him. I mean, he. So so, Jason takes a harpoon gun. Shoves, shoves it in his pelvis. Lifts him up. Lifts him up. And then shoots the harpoon gun. So the guy pretty much gets impaled. In a very bad spot. Yeah. I cringed. He screamed. I cringed and screamed. <laughs> um, I've seen it 20 times. I still cringe when I watch it. Also, so, so now we get to see Rob. Uh, he hears screaming. He hears Paul screaming. So instead of grabbing his gun and going out to investigate because he's already set his sights on finding Jason so he set his sights on investigating any scream he hears he takes a machete leaves his guns this is also probably the first sign of horror rotation in this movie because you hear the screaming so and the screaming sounds still pretty far off it travels through the woods so it's safe to say Jason should not be able to get out of the water somehow get around Rob to his tent and break it, break his guns, 
without being able to horror partake. I'm, I'm going to make one argument against that, though. In this movie, Jason does run really fast. But he would make a lot of noise if he was running too. Yeah. So, so your, your argument is invalid, sir. I don't know if he's horror. I don't. I don't know if it's quite horrorization. Plus, he's also a big guy, so it doesn't matter if he's running or tiptoeing. He's still making noise. He sees Jason at the tent. Rob does, and still approaches the tent as if he's just trying to like find him and fight him. He's a bold dude. He's bold, but come on, guy, don't take. I'd rather Jason break the machete, not break the gun. I said bold, not smart. <laughs> he's a damn idiot. And also, why did Jason leave <laughs> Rob alone? He clearly ah so. I got one for you on this, though. I think Jason didn't, Jason saw that the guy had weapons, so he wanted to scout him out a little bit more before he attacked him just to know what he was up against. I think. I mean, I guess I'll give you that, but how about we get to Terry, the, the prudish girl's death? She gets stabbed and then thrown against the wall. Yes. I think her sister has a way more fun death. By, by the way, uh, in full Friday the 13th uh, action, it's raining now. Oh, yeah. That's got to be a bitch to film in. But. Oh, and mom disappears. Poor she, mom. She's dead. Yeah, she did. So then Trish... So I just want to mention... I want to ask something. So Trish and Tommy get back to their house. Notice mom is gone. So Trish decides to go looking for the mom. She finds a tent. Random ass tent in the middle of the woods. I mean, and decides to make herself comfortable. Yes. Where Rob almost guts her and then screams what are you doing here which is a pretty standard question for rob and then she goes what, what are you trying to do kill me that's like um yeah actually that is what i'm trying to do because i thought you were someone else why the fuck are you out here <laughs> well this is where we get the info dump um he's there of course again to find the killer of his sister sandra yep. he, so anyway. he watched part two and three he watched them so so anyway for jimmy's death this death is actually pretty funny if you do everything just right. So, obviously he comes down bragging to Ted that, yeah, I slept with the girl. I'm not a dead fuck. You are. And he starts looking for a corkscrew for the wine. And by the way, I love that moment because I like that, that Ted was happy for him. And this feels like a real solid actual friendship. So, we get Jim being obnoxious now. And he goes, hey, Ted, where's the corkscrew? Ted, the corkscrew? Ted, where is the corkscrew? And then the minute he says it, Jason, I guess, just got tired of his voice. Shoved the corkscrew right into his hand, and then the machete in his face, pretty much telling him to shut the fuck up. Okay, now this is definitely the best death so far in the series. <laughs> because that close-up of the machete in his face, wow. Oh, right. Uh, something tells me they filmed that in reverse to get that effect, because you do see the machete go in the face. Well, look, there's only one death scene... That I feel like is a weak death scene because it's not a death scene. Tina. And I got issues with the scene because... So do I. Because first of all, it doesn't even make sense, but... Boy, first of all, it don't make sense because how did Jason go from the kitchen to the... It's not even a balcony because he's not standing on anything. He's He had to climb up a... The, the freaking... Whatever you call those things. Yeah. I don't know. This Okay, this might be a horror portation because... Yes. Not only that... She's looking out the damn window. And then Jason just brushed How through. does Jason sneak up to the window as big as he is? When they show him outside the window, he's like half, he's, he's bigger than the whole side of the house. There's no way for him to climb up, like, sneakingly while she's looking down repeatedly out the window. And then he breaks through the window yep. like a sugar glass. Yep. And tosses her onto a car. I don't care how slow motion you make the death. It does not make that look devastating. It looks like she hits the car and flies immediately off into the mud. She's still alive. No, she probably, she, her neck probably hit something metal and broke her neck, which killed her. I don't think so. I don't think so. If they're bringing back Kirby, they should bring back random twin Tina in the next Friday. For Tina. revenge, because she does know that her sister died. She must avenge her, her sister's death. Yeah. She did not die, damn it. That did not look painful at all. That looked like, wee, what a ride. So, yeah, I was just like, how did Jason get to the window in five seconds? There's no fucking way. Plus, the way he launched her. <laughs> right. Like, the way he was standing, I don't even know how he could even do that. Like, he did it with all arm strength. You know, it's like, like it was like his arms, like, wee, like, tossed, him, tossed her overhead. 
with her arms and she flew like a dart. It's, yeah, it might as well just be like, like wee, do 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 do, wee. <laughs> In my own head cannon, Jason went back down and finished the job. There's no way Jason like did that and looked down and said, "Nah, she's dead." He went down and finished her off. So let's go ahead and kill off the other three pe- characters, starting with Teddy. I don't understand that the he walks up to the film projection. He's been watching this this film thing for hours apparently, and the projection cuts off because it ended at that exact moment where Jason needs him to be distracted. Yes. Okay. I mean, he's high, so it doesn't take much to distract him. Yeah, but he looks away then towards back, and Jason gets to clean. It's so weird that Jason, they're in a room together, a small room by themselves, right? And Jason still feels the need to, like, hide behind a thing and do, like, a, a, like a, also, a, a did, surprise death. How did Jason get there without being seen or heard? Impossible. Horror rotation. Yeah. Uh, now, Doug's death. So, Doug and Sarah, they just have sex. And while Doug is singing, uh, Jason crushes his face. Jason doesn't like show tunes. He doesn't like shower tunes. So then Sarah goes in, finds his dead body, and I actually don't remember what happens to Sarah. I think No, she gets the axe going some, through. Some dumb shit happens to her. She goes to a door, and like she, uh, she opens the doorknob a little bit, or tries to unlock it, and a damn axe flies to the door. <laughs> that death made no sense at all. Like, no, <laughs> that was just ridiculous. So uh, right before we get to our climax, Trish tries to get into her own fucking house and in order to do that instead of knocking on the door because tommy is literally standing on the stairs if you're looking through the window you see tommy no rob busts through the window to unlock the door and rob does have some use he do he does do some good in this movie he helps trish get back into her house okay let's get to rob's death Rob, you've been built up this entire movie to be the one to take on Jason, and I've been feeling the whole time that, hey, we finally got someone that can stand up to Jason and take him down. Mano, oh, mano. So come on, Rob, let's take out Jason. Paul's already dead, though. Notice how they build up these big guys to actually take on Jason, who probably could in real life, and then they just die like little wimps, and then you got Paul. Whoa, wait, wait. Paul was a beast. (laughs) So I don't want to keep everybody to Paul, right? Paul and Tommy Jarvis are beasts. But... He can be better than Rick from part three. Rick is the bottom of the barrel. Rick is the, the bubble gum in the shoe that just literally got like uh, owned by the weakest version of Jason, I would say, is part <laughs> three Jason. But, so he doesn't have to be Paul, but he has to be better than Rick. I don't know if he even does that, though. I no, mean, because he literally gets pushed up against the wall. Jason grabs a, what's a garden hoe and just starts scratching the shit out of him like a cat. What? Why is he more concerned about narrating his death than he is about fighting back? Ah, help, he's killing So, actually, there <laughs> Let me give one. you an update. Uh, he's killing me. So, he's stabbing me. Trish, uh, let me give you an update again. He's still killing me. So, actually, there's, there is a reason behind it. There, so, uh, the writer, uh, I guess, lived in an area where all, where all of a sudden he just heard some old man screaming, help, he's murdering me. Someone call for help. He is murdering me over and over again. And everyone thought it was a joke, so they never called until the next day someone goes to check on the old man, and he's just dismembered. The old, this old man was... I think it might, it might be a famous story they're referencing, though. Yeah, well, this is the story. And then the person said, well, in my childhood, this was probably one of the most disturbing things that ever happened. I'm going to put it on in this movie because if it's disturbing, then it's like, here's the difference. One, <laughs> you're not watching the person. You weren't watching the person being murdered. So the disturbing fact is no one actually called for help. Yes. Everyone thought it was a joke. So that's, that adds to the distur- disturbance is the fact that no one did a damn thing about it. This one, you clearly see what's going on, but you still see that the person who's watching it, she, what's she going to do? And she tries to help. She wants to. Yeah. That story sounds cool. But the thing is, it still doesn't make sense in this scene, though. No, it don't. It's just ridiculous. Like, he's literally, like like I said, he's he's more worried about, like, recapping his death <laughs> as it happens. Like, stop talking and fight back. So Maybe if you were like, Trish, um, go upstairs, Trish, run, do this, do that. Like, dude. It makes more sense because uh, what she clearly sees. 
it, he's it, killing it, you. It ends up being comical. He's one of the main characters. His death should be like intense, but his his fucking voice makes the scene comical. Look, personally, for me, if I would have done this death, it would it still wouldn't have been a pretty good. It would have been just Jason picking him up and just constantly throwing him everywhere until he finally finds a weapon to use, and then Jason kills him. It was one of those deaths that was really like. Um, it's kind of disappointing. It was kind of disappointing too because like. I think, like, he drops something and has to go back downstairs. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, just go upstairs. What are, you, what are you doing? So now we get our final girl circuit where I have an issue. Yeah. So she runs to one door. Jimmy's hanging, like, the body of Jesus Christ. So she runs the other way to another door where the body is laying on the ground. And she still doesn't jump over the fucking body. Instead, she climbs out a window that is definitely more struggle than just yeah. tiptoeing around the dead body. What's hilarious, though, is that when they show Jason just, like, pull his body down and walk past, Jason's, like, got me thinking, I just put this damn body up. Now I got to rip it down because right. it's in my way. Like, I thought that was just a, a hilarious thing to show. And, hell, you can even see the kind of <laughs> anger in Jason when he comes down. He just grabs his... It's like, out of my way, bitch. Imagine, uh, imagine that, that Crispin Glover's like been done filming for like a month. They're like, hey, can you come back for one day and like just <laughs> hang your ass up here so Jason can pull you down? It's like, he's like, I got to stand up for that. I thought that so, was hilarious. So, and then during this, the final girl chase, you know, she, they, her and Tommy do knock Jason down. And instead of picking up the machete or the axe, I think it was an axe he had, and just constantly stabbing him with it, uh, Trish decides... Tommy, you go. You you leave. I'm gonna go get him to chase me. He's like a uh, bitch. Axe, head, fifty times. Oh, when he's on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, but they do a good job of just like they they don't play it too long. Like they have her slowly try to walk past him, but he immediately grabs her pretty much. Yes. And then and then it makes sense when like it's very well done that Tommy's like trying to get his attention because actually Tommy would rather, would rather him chase him it seems like but Jason's like ah, ah. He, you see that moment where Jason like looks back at Tommy's like mm, which one do I chase you're going after the girl because remember the girl is the same age as the camp counselors that killed him and we don't and even again Tommy's the same age as the kids but we don't know at water. this point in the series how Jason feels about kids because we haven't really seen him interact with kids at this point in the series so I do got a, another question about this chase scene yeah, when she runs out the house first, when she runs out the house, and Jason's after her top speed, that's one of the scariest things ever, because he's, like, in a full-blown run. Mm. It reminds me a lot of, like, it's almost like he sees her almost how he, like, saw Chris, where he's, like, just all in, like, running as fast as he can. But I, what you're referring to, I think, what you don't like is when they run in the house, up the stairs. It's filmed very odd, because there's a table in front of the window. So... Jason's right next to her and starts running at her. And we just cut to her flying through, going through the window. But there was a desk there. So she had to jump high enough over the desk to go directly through the window. And then she basically does the same fall that Tina did, except there's no car to break her fall. But she had soft dirt. Uh, but that's not the part that was pissing me it was off. A, it was a bigger fall, though, I'm saying. Because there was no car. That, that wasn't the part that pissed me off. The pissed me off is she would gladly jump over this dead body but to get in the house, but not to get out of the house. It's different when Jason's on your ass. <laughs> Jason <laughs> was on her ass before. Not like this, though. <laughs> she, she didn't have a choice to slow down her so. She should. She didn't have. She didn't need to slow down the other time. She could have jumped over the body. The thing, too, is what you have to notice about the scene is like, even though it's only like a 10-minute chase scene, she progressively gets tougher as the chase scene goes on. By the time she gets back to the house, she's like waiting on Jason like with the hammer, like trying to catch him, basically. So she gets smart about it yeah, so, as the scene goes on. So we get our climax. Um, oh, we did forget to mention one of the best Jason moments, uh, which is Jason busting through the door. Holy shit. What, what sells the moment is... They cut immediately to Tommy's reaction. And Tommy's like, what in the hell is this? Right. Because Jason is like, boom. And then clearly the director watched part three. Because Jason throws, what's his face's body? He throws um, Rick. Rob's body. Rob. Exactly how he had done Rick. So it makes sense. He's like, oh, this is Rick part two. Same thing. And he, 
you could tell he's like, yeah, this is how I throw off the girlfriend as I, I throw the boyfriend through the window. And, but he messes up because Trish immediately, what's funny is Chris is like, oh my God, Rick. Trish is like, ooh, there's a hammer in his head. I, <laughs> I can use that to fight Jason. She immediately bends over and just gets the hammer out of his head. Yep, and so then, she's smart. Yep, then we get uh, somewhat of a fight scene because then she's hitting Jason, but Jason disarms her, tries to choke her, and then Tommy comes down looking like, well, Jason. I, I don't know what he would have done if this didn't work, if it didn't work. I mean, he would have luckily, <laughs> Well, luckily it worked, though, because Jason me is like, hey. That's I, me. But it's weird because Jason looks like very curious or disturbed. I don't know. Well, either I, way, I, know, so- I know when he hears his mom's voice, that throws him off. But this wasn't his mom's voice. This was like Jason remembering himself as a child, I guess. Yeah, but uh, it, gives, it gives Trish enough time to finally do the final blow. Behead that, behead Jason, and no, uh, she just knocks his mask off. Yep, but thankfully, the smartest one in the family clearly is, is Tommy because yeah. Tommy gets the, the Tommy gets blow. to work and he gives that one swift blow to the head, and you get this is definitely a, a Savini moment where the Jason's head, head goes down. That's it that, slowly cuts even more. That's a great practical effect even for now oh yeah and then tommy goes crazy gives jason he another sees, like he sees blows. jason's finger moves and it's like hey i've seen these movies before boom just goes to work yep tommy has to be the smartest character in any horror movie because he gives the final blow over and over and over and over and over all screaming die he definitely wants jason to die um if you think about it, this movie this is a brilliant ending because we've seen these generic endings where jason gets an axe in the head Something where like he's just not really getting killed, just stopped. But J- Tommy actually messes with his mind and then really destroys him. Yep. So, uh, movie's over with the potential uh, sequel set, sequel bait of Tommy being the next killer. And I really think Part Five is really going to capitalize on that. I know. And I think right? Tommy's going to be the new killer, and this franchise is going to go in a whole different direction. Wait, you're but, not but, talking about a new beginning, are you? Well, there won't be a Part Five because this is the final chapter, so. So this is the end of our series review, right? Because there's no, uh, there's nope. no more sequels. Uh, you, you need to look again. What the hell, man? There's like six more movies. Categories. What about we get to categories? Best performance, The Hitchhiker. That's sad. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, um, best performance for me, I'm definitely going to give it to... Uh, honestly, I'd have to give it to Jimmy, Crispin Glover. He's definitely the most likable character, except even at the end... I don't really see, he's obnoxious, yes, but I don't see him as dislikable just because, because granted, it's because I'm a guy, but name one guy who's not excited that he just got to be with a beautiful woman. So, yes, he's excited. He's gloating. Was that, was it worth the machete of the face? Though? Well, maybe <laughs> if he didn't constantly scream, where's the corkscrew, he wouldn't have gotten a machete in the face. You think Jason just was actually literally... Annoyed with his voice, like just shut the hell up, man. Yes, that's what I think. He <laughs> probably could have lived. Jason's probably all for. It's like, yeah, man, you got it. I'll leave you alone because you're a winner. I mean, that's a good um, example of him, of the movie giving the supporting characters room to breathe, and they all have their own little plot line going on. All these characters have their own story happening. Each couple has their own story, which is for brother. That's pretty good. For- yeah, because then you got Sarah's story with. Uh, you know, kind of coming out of her shell a little bit. You can definitely exactly. tell she's more in the Christian-based uh, mindset. So you got that going on. Even um, even uh, what's her face? The one that the two that died in the raft. Sarah and Paul, Sam and Paul. Sam and Paul. Even they had a little story going on there. Honestly, it's even, just that they died before that story was resolved. Yeah, I mean, all the characters have their own. I the good thing about the movie, I feel like literally it's like it's like characters that feel like they're in like their own teen movie. That just happens to have Jason in there, but even if you took Jason out, they could actually it could be like a teen, a fun teen party movie. Yeah. Um, that said, for me, it's got to be Corey Feldman playing Tommy because that was, that was too easy for me. Then again, Crispin Glover is too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think they're the, the two standouts, but I think that I guess because we've seen so many horror movies with the kids, like my default is always to think based on past history that kids ruin horror movies and that they're always terrible actors. And we've seen many movies with that being the case. This Nightmare guy, on Elm Street, we're looking at you. Yeah, yeah there's, others, there's other examples too. But he feels like a kid, very well written. 
he has his own arc basically I, I buy him I believe he's believable um yeah I gotta go Corey Feldman it's you're right we gave the two predictable answers but okay worst performance Hmm. Nothing's really that bad. So nothing's really that bad. I, I mean, I don't want to pick on him, but I mean, it's it's a hard scene to pull off when Rob's getting killed because they're they're saying if you're if, if I'm Rob, if I'm the actor reading up on page, I'm like, okay, like, do I really got to say this? This ruins the whole thing. Like, I would much rather like have like a, an epic struggle with Jason, and then he gets me. But you want me to be like, he's calling me. Like, the line delivery is so comical. Run, trash, run, it's Kylie Mae! So, I mean, people, it's a damn, it's a meme death where it should be a classic death. So for me, I was going to go with Rob, too. <laughs> Not really for the act, the performance itself, but mainly for the character. I mean, yours what, is yeah. pretty much, I mean, I guess it's the acting, but it's because of the writing. For me, it's mainly the character itself, because unless this really does take place a week after the events of the third one... His character makes no damn sense on why he's there. Yeah, we got theories, but the, those theories aren't canon. That's, just, that's exactly what they are, the theories. His, his character lives and dies logically by either, if we believe there's a time jump, then his character starts to make more sense. But if we just assume that's like the next day or the next couple of days, there's no way he's already out there in the woods like with a whole plan to take out Jason. Right. So. Even, even then, what is his plan? To confront one-on-one this big-ass serial killer? What was he thinking? Well, he had guns that he decided to not use. I, I don't like when this happened in the movie The Stepfather, too, if you remember correctly. When you build up somebody to, like, you know, be tracking down the killer, basically. And then there's no epic showdown. They just, But you almost always know it's going to happen because they always got to be like, well, if this guy's so tough, then it's not scary. We need the girl to be left alone at the end. So Rob has to die. The problem is but, you can still uh, have, the, have the girl left alone at the end because if this guy, if, if you get your badass and then their killer kills that badass, it's like, and even in a fight, it's like, oh shit. The only way they did it actually was with Paul, like Jason kept like kind of pushing Paul to the side and then he would still get to go chase Ginny and then Paul can come back. Right. So they did that properly in part two, but then everything else, three, four was all just like, hey, we got to eliminate the guy early and then just focus on the girl. So Yeah, so, like I said, in my opinion, they need to stop doing that. They just, because it would probably be more scary is seeing our badass for the movie getting, prob- you, don't, you don't need an intense fight. You can just have Jason literally throwing Rob around and then finally finding a weapon to kill him with. Yeah. And then guess what? Girl's still left alone, and now she's even more free because the guy she expected was strong enough to protect her. Hey, guess what? He's dead. So now you're on your own. Yeah, I think that, and that's what you do. You can kill the guy, but have it be a little bit more heroically and in, in, in like sacrifice. Not how Rick died in part three. <laughs> no. And definitely not. I just caught on my. I mean, you don't even need them to be able to even fight. Just have like say the girls in trouble and the guy tackles the killer. Yeah. So and the, then you could have just had Rick right. turned around and then still. Well, did no. The in, in Rob's case. If he's going after Trish and Rob just tries to tackle him and then gets killed, it's a whole new context. Like, oh, he sacrificed himself. Yeah. This didn't come off like that. It just came off like he's a klutz. He dropped his thing and then <laughs> he gets attacked and starts narrating his own death stupidly. So. Right. So, either way, uh, best scene. Ooh, this is a tough one. Yeah, this one is a pretty tough There's one. There's a lot of standout scenes, man. I don't know. I mean, man, I got to go. I know it's... I'm going with it's, the door break scene. Well, for me, it's like it's the whole ending, basically. Yeah. Each movie, through the first four, the end chase scene gets better in each movie. And they really perfect the formula. Um, and this one is just like nonstop fun for like a solid 10 minutes straight. For me, it's the it, it's only a five-second clip, but when Jason breaks through that door because of the pitiful way Rob died, when he breaks through that door... It literally shows this is not someone you want to fuck with. But it's so it's so good because they literally show like Tommy's like awe. he's in awe. Right. He's like, oh my god. He's actually like excited. And you can tell that this Jason's actually ran at the door because he had to come to a full stop and he still slid a little when he went through. It's not like he just broke through the door because he walked through it. Yeah. When when a dude <laughs> comes to the door like that, you're like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I I feel like my chance of survival is about. One percent. So yeah. So, uh, worst perf- worst scene. Okay, the worst scene. 
is the skinny dipping scene because it's just like it's just a waste of time. Nothing happens there. They need a nudity. But it's the only scene that I think that doesn't accomplish anything though. Yeah, it doesn't. But for me, honestly, I have to go with Tina's death scene for not because of the actual throw. I'm honestly fine with that. I can assume she just broke a bunch of bones when she You're, hit the car. You're being very kind and giving, giving that a like, break. I think that whole thing is bullshit. What I don't like is the horror rotation that the human killer fucking did. What's bad is that I'm only choosing this over Rob's guns breaking because this one is clear cut. It's a horror rotation. <laughs> think about this. makes any sense. If you're Jason, he was already in the house, right? You're thinking, okay, I can, I can take the stairs, go up the stairs, and kill her in the room. Or... I can go outside the house in the rain, climb up to her window, try to surprise her, grab her at the right moment. When I climb up there, she has to be near the window, coincidentally, and everything. And he gets there, he's like, "Wait, she's right here. This has worked out perfect." And throw out the. Why did he just walk up the stairs and kill her? So why, Nick? Why? I actually do have a theory about this. I think this movie was shot differently. Like I get the feeling it was Jimmy's death first, then he went in, killed Ted. What? Uh, or, actually, no, let me rephrase that. Tina's death first. Right. She died first because he's outside. Then he climbs down, goes around, kills Jimmy, goes into the room, kills Ted, and then kills uh, fucking Doug. And then after Doug's death, he goes outside to get the axe and then kills Sarah, even though he should have just did that upstairs. But that's the way I feel like it was actually meant to be filmed, uh, edited into. Well, it makes more sense for him to do the stuff outside the house first, kill the sister, and then kill her. If he's going to do outdoor stuff, do that first before he goes in the house. So that, right. Which thing is right on. But I was thinking about the idea that Tina's death would have made a lot of noise. I feel like the people in the house would have heard a body landing on top of the whole top of the car crushing. But Ted, I know it's raining, but uh, I'm thinking about who's still alive. Ted, Doug, and Sarah, and they heard nothing. And Ted, Ted should have. I get Ted, Ted has the movie on though. He has the maybe. But it doesn't the really sound have any loud. noise. It, it was a noise. It was like a uh, silent movie. Okay. But, but definitely um, them upstairs. I don't think they would have heard because you know they were having sex in a shower. I guess enclosed area, no oh. no windows. That actually might be really good writing because maybe they all were kind of compromised. Yeah, but like I said, Ted would have been the only one who would have heard that. And if my theory is correct, that's probably why they changed it. Because then why didn't Jimmy hear that? Why didn't Ted hear it? So you kill Ted first because otherwise he hears the body and he's like, he's like, where's the corpse? Ted, did you hear that noise outside? Yeah, so. So maybe that. That's probably why they did it that way. But it's But still- they also could just be like, hey. They'd be like, hey, we're questioning the logic of Jason, and Jason's a freaking idiot. So maybe they're just like, hey, yeah, of course it makes more sense. Kill outside, then go inside, but we're going to make him kill inside, go back outside, climb to the house, come back down, go back in the house. It's like, okay, if he's that strong, he just walks in the house and kills everybody and takes the stairs. Why is he climbing up the roof? I don't know. Like he's Santa Claus. So that's my theory. It was shot in a different way. And, they just, and when it got to the editing process, it just got jumbled up. But what we're saying, though, there's a way to make it... Make sense. It, it might make sense because that's my thing. Like, you had, I guess you had to kill uh, Jim first to, like, get him out of that where he would hear anything. So. Right. So, Ted, though, still should have heard something. Because he was right next to the fucking window. He's high as hell, though, too. He's very high. Yeah. So, anyway, um... What would we like to change in the movie? And honestly, I think... Well, we, we talked about the Rob thing. If you take away the skinny dipping scene, everything else, every other scene has purpose. It's a quick movie. It goes by quickly. The only reason the skinny dipping scene was in there is to show some skin. Yeah, and pat out the runtime a little bit because, you know... That scene lasted, what, a good five minutes? I mean, knowing what we know now, I would, I would just like something to explain... A caption that says one week later, something either supporting the idea of the time jump or just just tell us and stop making it not make sense or make sense based on the time jump. So. so for me, I'm just sticking with the Rob scene. So let's get to our final thoughts, shall we? Final thoughts for the final chapter? Yes. Would-be final chapter? You know, if you like slasher movies, I do think this is one of the better slasher movies out there. Um, it holds up very well for being at this point damn near almost 40 years 
So for 40 years old, it still holds up better than most slashers. The death scenes are still better than most slashers that come out today, even. Of the first four movies, it's definitely the best. It has probably one of the best Jasons. Jasons is brutal as shit in this movie. He's crazy scary. And then, honestly, the characters are, are all very, 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 very... It's not the Godfather, but for Friday 13th, the characters are very well done. So at least you have great kills, you have great characters, you have a great chasing at the end. It has a few dumb things that don't make sense, like the Rob thing, but honestly, I'm... I'm going to say three stars. I think it's one of the best slasher movies I've ever seen, honestly. It doesn't have any... I don't think I'm making watches and be like, yeah, Jason's trash. Like, it's a well-made slasher film. So, everybody's seen the movie, so it's not much new I can say. But I'm going three stars, damn it. All right, for me, most of the characters were likable. The story that was being told actually was told fairly well, minus a few hiccups here and there. <laughs> Rob! Case Khaled, man. Rob Case and the death montage we got at, with the kids at the end. You know, with the horror portation BS. Minus those, and also minus. Actually, I can't really say minus anything. This is, as Vic said, this is actually a pretty decent movie. There's a few hiccups, but everything, every movie has hiccups. There's no it, such thing as perfect. It feels like it accomplishes what it's trying to do. Right. It's trying to make a good Jason movie, and it's. It checks all the boxes for what you want out of a Jason movie, I feel like. And you do get a pretty good final character in Tommy because he, unlike most horror characters, decides to actually end the villain. Yep. So I'm definitely giving it an extra point. So to be honest, I'm giving this a three-star as well. It's it's well-made. It has a a lot of pretty decent death scenes. The ending kind of took away a few things but meh and it's then, a good it's a good end for jason you gotta remember too if you think about the series this actually they did really kill jason yeah but someone's gonna come and mess that up <laughs> tommy yeah we're not going to name names tommy um anyway we'll get there soon as as always y'all don't have to go home y'all gotta get out of here get your chicken nuggets get your hot mustard or if you're getting chicken nuggets at chick-fil-a get your chick-fil-a sauce and make sure you get some hot sauce because hot sauce makes everything go round, especially when it comes to fried chicken. Also remember as well, if you come to your final chapter, don't worry. There's always room for a new beginning. It's like Jello. There's always room. I hate you. <laughs> Next week, folks. Next new, week. New beginning. Tommy becomes the killer. Yes. Series goes in a different direction. Yes. And maybe someone named Roy. Who's Who?